0: Welcome to Space 9, the last stop for trash in the Alpha Quadrant. This is a rewatch podcast for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, featuring two veteran viewers and one newbie. My name is Justin, and I'll be your way team commander. Joining me is my science officer Ana with our new recruit Ana. Jude, Ana, have you ever been hunted for sport
1: before? Uh, I decline to answer that on the grounds that it is not an appropriate story to share on a podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not that I know of. Other than, well, I, I have three cats, so yes. Fair enough. I yeah. I mean, yeah, you're hunted for sport
0: yeah. daily.
1: okay, then yes.
0: We're just going to jump right into this, because we decided to do a three fur because we wanted to make things line up a little bit better um, for how we're doing the rest of the season. So tonight, we are covering episodes five, six, and seven of season one, Babel, Captain Pursuit, and q Anna, you've got Babel. Take us away.
2: All right. For this one, the story is by Sally Caves and Ira Stephen Baer, with teleplay by Michael McGreevy and Naren Shankar, and directed by Paul Lynch. So we start with following O'Brien, who has been working basically nonstop to latch together Cardassian, Federation, and Bajoran technology with duct tape and willpower. Man needs a nap. But no nap for O'Brien, as he has to deal with an irate freighter captain, a terrible noise from Dax's lab, and... Most importantly, the replicator generating awful coffee. Miles busts out some understandable snark, fixes the replicator, and makes himself a coffee. But little does he know that there is... An ominous, blinky device attached to the replicator. (laughs) Quark has also been hard hit by the replicator malfunctions, and his uh, customers are displeased. But he learns that the command-level replicators are working just fine, and starts generating, of course, his entire menu out of there and bringing it back to the bar in a cart. Note, Quark also does not know about the ominous, blinky device. When Cisco finally thanks O'Brien for fixing the replicator, he re- responds with gibberish and appears not to be able to comprehend other speech. Rutro, wonder if the blinky device had something to do with that. <clears throat> <laughs> Bashir diagnoses Miles with aphasia, and Dax is put in charge of engineering. But she immediately develops aphasia too. Uh, Bashir realizes that two people going all correct horse battery staple uh, <laughs> might be a bigger problem. Uh, investigates, uh, determining that the aphasia is caused by a man-made virus. After realizing that everyone affected ate food from a repaired replicator or from quarks, uh, Kira finds the blinky device that's been distributing the virus. Just in time for Bashir to realize that the virus is airborne, and also, whoops, O'Brien's gonna die in twelve hours. Kira tracks down the creator of the virus, a Surmac Wren, member of the Bajoran Resistance movement, uh, who hangs up on her face on call. Uh, and she heads off to Beitar to follow up and promises Sisko that she definitely won't break quarantine. Everybody else on the station, of course, other than Odo and Quark, sick to the aphasia. So Kira abducts Sermak, thus not breaking quarantine, uh, drags him back to the station to develop a cure, as Odo and Quark deal with the, an emergency situation as the freighter captain d- captain from the intro, tries to leave the station unexpectedly. It turns out the Bashir had nearly cracked the virus, and surmek is able to put the finishing touches on the antidote, and everybody is saved. There is much rejoicing. But alas, the replicators are still broken, since O'Brien's work is never done.
1: I, I just want to say right at the top that the first <laughs> five minutes of this episode hurt so bad to watch. I was... literally experiencing a full body flop sweat, watching it out of empathy for fucking O'Brien, because this is an accurate depiction of what many of my weeks have looked like. Uh, especially before I got back up on my current job, I was working like 60, 80 hour weeks getting pinged all, all hours of the night and watching O'Brien like melt down and then be reduced to gibberish was just like, I was not (laughs) discomforted by some sort of pandemic and quarantine, but Miles O'Brien being worked into a state of, of gibberish babble that did it. That made me uncomfortable.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. And the, and the like, also the reaction where like Cisco's like, Gosh, I thought you were gonna fix the replicator, and O'Brien just like launches into like, like, sure, O'Brien, fix the replicator. Yeah, it's like it's amazing. It's- <laughs> and Cisco's like, what? What did I do? And it's like, you were, you didn't think twice, is what you yeah. is what you did. Yeah.
1: God, <laughs> yeah. poor O'Brien. You didn't think that
2: maybe the man has higher priorities, and maybe you didn't check when he clocked in today. Yeah, <laughs> or when <laughs> he clocked in two because days that was ago. yesterday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: Poor O'Brien. And it's just like it puts the uh, it's, it puts the like cherry on the shit Sunday, too, that like also also Keiko is being like, yeah, like, by the way, honey, I hate it here. Yeah.
1: This is what he's dealing with while Keiko is complaining about like, I have nothing to do being bored. and I'm bored. And meanwhile, <laughs> he's like, dope. I haven't slept in three days.
0: I can see color, or I can hear colors. Yeah,
1: yeah. I can taste your complaints. That's where I'm at. How are you?
2: I've drunk so much coffee that I can see time. Yeah, <laughs> like
0: my eye hasn't stopped twitching for the last ninety-six hours.
2: Poor O'Brien. Justin, does this does this qualify as the first O'Brien must suffer?
0: I mean it's like it's, a, it's like an O'Brien must suffer a light.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't like, like the plot doesn't revolve around the O'Brien suffering, but there's an awful lot of it.
0: Yeah. It's not a Dostoevsky novel. <laughs> so it's not a true O'Brien must suffer episode.
1: <laughs> oh boy.
0: But like literally like DS9 the show and DS9 the station both fucking hate O'Brien. <laughs>
2: This is the teaser for O'Brien must suffer. Yeah. yeah. I love that
1: when they figure out that there's like a device causing it, Kira is immediately like, it's Cardassian. And
0: Cisco (laughs) turns out it's a majority. Yes,
1: that, but also Cisco is like, okay, but would you like to like prove that? Because Cisco has learned that with Kira, she's going to assume it's Cardassian and has to like ask for proof. It's like, it's not that I don't believe you, but I don't believe you. Like, you're going to have to validate that claim.
2: Because, like, why would Cardassians put a, like, random, like, a virus, an aphasia virus device on, like, a random replicator on the station? Like, yeah. I mean, if they were if they were going to build in something like that into the station, then there would probably be some sort of automated system that would, you know, warn the Bajoran workers. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, you know, there the, it might be like, you know incredibly well thought out with a lot of backup plans. contingencies. And yeah. Cause the Cardassians are kind of thorough like that.
1: Oh man. I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> the, noise. the, I just love the way that Kira, I, I just love the, Cisco's face when he's like, okay, I hear that you think it's the Cardassians. Would you like to tell me why? Besides the fact that you hate the Cardassians, like (laughs) yeah um my other favorite moment in this episode was uh when they finally do figure out that it's uh bajoran terrorists and they're they they're like oh but it was like 12 years ago and odo's like that was before my time (laughs) at pains to point out that you couldn't you know nobody would have snuck shit into the replicators when he was on duty all the bullshit that's happened in the last (laughs) four episodes that doesn't count. This this bullshit doesn't fly on his watch. But like all the horse shit that has happened is you know that doesn't count.
2: Oh, this will this will be this will be a recurring theme. I
0: love that Quark tried like first of all, Quark is the station great. Is put under emergency, emergency quarantine. Congrats to the Federation for having like basic safe like
2: attempting you know, basic, attempting basic.
0: Attempting. But Quark tried to reason that he is an essential service. It's the
1: wow. funniest shit in 2023. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if the whole station is already infected, I don't entirely disagree. People gotta eat.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, granted, he is also a super spreader, so there's that.
2: Cork <laughs> oh, is so good in this episode, just in general. Like, A, we have a nefarious scheme from him, like which is always great. Like, the, these kind of, like, like low key nefarious schemes where it's like just petty shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like are like some of the best quirk. We'll talk about this
1: with, with the next episode. This kind of like shenanigan is totally good and like totally fine from quirk. Some of quirk shenanigans, not, not as much, but
2: yeah. Yeah. uh,
1: This one I like, Uh, and it does feel very like, it's just trying to make a buck, you know? He's just yeah. trying to make a buck under a hard circumstance.
2: Which, as a sidebar, um, do we, do we need to, like, put a moratorium on trying to figure out how economics works on this station?
0: Um, I mean,
2: I think we, we, we know that, we
0: know that like, all the, I mean, what it is, is we know that all the Starfleet members, like, eat, like, I think, like, star all the Starfleet officers eat and drink at Quark's Free, um, and, like, I assume have, like, some sort of... Cr- like, I assume yeah. that there is some sort of credit or energy, like, energy stipend that is allotted to to the various officers and stuff.
2: Yeah, but, but because, like, legitimately, it's, it's very strange to have a Star Trek show where there's currency.
0: Oh, yeah. But there is also, like, I mean...
1: Clearly the Bajorans <sighs> and the Ferengi have currency.
0: Yeah. And, like, and... The is basically like the the, it was introduced last episode, but the the primary method of commerce or the primary exchange of commerce are uh, gold pressed latinum, which latinum is some gas or liquid that is harvested and pressed into gold bars.
1: That makes perfect sense. Of course. And I
2: think that the, the latinum is specifically something that can't be replicated too. Correct.
1: Um,
0: gold is replicated, which makes gold worthless.
2: Yes. Why?
1: And why is the latinum pressed in gold? Just because it's cool.
2: It's shiny. Because, and it clinks. not yeah, it
1: shiny. All right.
2: Also like, I don't know, maybe it stabilizes or something. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But it's because the
0: production staff was like, we want to have big gold bars. Fair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's like the, the, the Bajorans sort of I, I believe also operate on this currency in some way as well. And that is like the non-Federation standard for interstellar trade.
2: <laughs> it's so wild. It's yeah. like it's so strange to have a Star Trek where you like you actually have to consider like how the currency and stuff like that works. Because like it's not clear that the that like the Federation officers on the station, like do they get like a salary because they're on a non-federation station? Question mark. Question yeah. mark.
0: Yeah, the way the way I have seen it head cannoned and like done in beta material is like that you have like some sort of credit stipend that like goes through there, um, and like beta material like old like the older RPGs mm-hmm. establish that the Federation has like a credit. That is mostly used for, like, dealing with monetary cultures uh, that is, that is like, pretty much not used internally. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, I, I'm, like, okay, I accept that. Of like, if you live on Earth, it's just, like, oh, hey, you have, like, rations for, like, using certain services. Yeah. But, like, when you're dealing with, like, outside cultures, it's, like, okay, you have X sort of credit or stipend.
1: Huh. All
0: right. It's very like it's yeah. Very it's very weird. It's, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's the the explanations I see of it uh, are like are more fun than are, are fun, but it's like for the for like the actual internal logic of the show, don't worry about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like and that's why I'm saying like talk about it once and then we'll just like set it aside yeah. and like it's yeah. fine.
1: Do we have anything else to say about Babel? Um
2: Cisco really needs to like pay better attention to his staff and like what sort of hours they're working. Yeah. Get, get
1: fucking O'Brien some support staff, my dude. D- yeah. Does he yeah. even
2: have, Justin, does he even have a staff right now?
0: Well, he's got like, he's got, I mean, there's, there's like a couple Starfleet engineers who we see on this episode.
2: Yeah. But we're not going to see like, he doesn't have like a, a, actual staff at this point.
0: Yeah. He doesn't have like his big Bajoran maintenance crew because as the station gets bigger, he will get like, Bajoran crew officers who will who like show up a lot more.
2: I'm also I'm also like to note that I'm actually like pretty impressed with how they managed to do the like aphasia speak that it actually mm-hmm. like comes across as surprisingly coherent. Like yeah. The the words string together to things that like sound like a sentence but aren't in terms of like yeah. the flow and like I think that that's actually fairly like very good writing yeah just as a small detail
1: i was gonna say i also think um kira's solution to the problem of the guy of well you don't want to help great uh i'll kidnap you and infect you with the virus to motivate you to solve to to cure it (laughs) is wildly unethical but very much a kira solution
2: yeah Wildly unethical gets the, the job done.
1: That sounds like Kira's MO. A
2: little bit. Yeah, no. It,
0: it, she was not required to take Starfleet Academy's Ethics 101 course.
2: Yeah,
1: I feel like she kind of took her ethics course on the streets.
0: A fun thing uh, uh, Naren, uh, Naren Shankar, who did some rewrites for this episode and is credited as part of the Tell play, is a. I know that name. Because he is one of the show, because he's done a bunch of stuff in television. He was on TNG, uh, but he's done a bunch of stuff, including like CSI, Farscape, and was one of the showrunners for The Expanse. That's yes.
1: where I know that name.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was like i like, wait a minute, I know that. Wild. Yeah.
2: Huh. Cool. Uh, one last yes. one. Uh, I was gonna say one last thing, which is that I think that this is like. A super good episode for the like odo quark relationship actually
0: yes yeah
2: um that both of it's and it's a great episode for quark in general that like we've got his nefarious little scheme we've got him like like you know well i didn't say i was gonna do it for free i'll bill you later <laughs> um we've got him actually being pretty competent at like station operations and and the two of them like both bickering and working together and like, and and like having to trust each other is like peak Quark Odo shit. Yeah,
0: yeah. I it's it's like it's and it's like we we learn that like Quark on some level has a good heart. Like yeah, like we get the indications of that. And my my favorite line delivery of this episode is the is the I spent eight years on a on a Ferengi freighter. I must have seen the pr- procedure do- done hundreds of times. Witnessed. You, you never did it? Energizing! <laughs> <laughs>
2: Armin Shimmerman is just so good. Yeah. Like, oh, it's incredible. He very much enjoys,
1: clearly very much enjoys this character. You can, you can oh, definitely he, hear he's it. He's delightful. Yeah. All right. Uh, episode six is Captive Pursuit. Story by Jill Sherman Donner, teleplay by Jill Sherman Donner and Michael Pillar, directed by Corey Allen. Our episode opens on the information that Quark is a sexual predator. Ah, the nineties! <laughs> I love the, that, that's, what a great like uh,
0: transition yeah. there.
2: No, Quark is great and also a sexual predator. Yeah. Ah, the nineties
1: when this was quirky and not a disqualifier from a quark character being sympathetic. Uh, Cisco assures the Dabo girl who has brought her contract to him uh, that the problem uh, that she will not be held to the provision in said contract that says that she must do Quark sexual favors. Uh,
0: Don't worry. We're going to talk more about Quark sexy sex life in the next episode.
1: (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Uh, (laughs) Cisco's talk with the Dabo girl is interrupted by an unknown ship coming through the wormhole. O'Brien tractors it in, saving it from blowing up. The pilot seems to have not known about the wormhole and is distressed about his ship. Sisko sends O'Brien to meet the new alien at the airlock as he seems to have responded to O'Brien's offer of help. He arrives to discover a seemingly empty ship and that the alien has chameleon-like abilities. The alien seems to be in a huge hurry and introduces himself as Tosk, though O'Brien isn't sure if that's its species or personal name. O'Brien leads the alien onto the promenade. Tosk is extremely jumpy and nervous, but also curious. Linguistic problems, it seems, prevent O'Brien from getting a lot out of Tosk, but the alien seems genuinely grateful for O'Brien's kindness. After O'Brien leaves him in his quarters to rest, he reports to Sisko that he thinks the alien is being cagey and suspects that the alien's ship was fired upon. The two of them get to work on the ship and figure out what the issue is. Once they set O'Brien's crew to building the parts they need, he takes Tosk to Quark's. Tosk turns down Quark's offer of a hollow suite and mentions great adventures, but declines to elaborate. Uh, We'll talk more about that hollow suite offer because it's definitely horny. Uh, (laughs) While O'Brien once again discusses Tosk with Cisco and Dax, Tosk is caught trying to bypass security by the station's resident moist brown shirt, Odo, posing as a painting in the hall. Why, you ask? No one knows. Is he just hanging on halls and random places for funsies? Who can tell? Uh, When asked why he was tampering with the security, Tosk says, I cannot discuss it and allow me to die with honor. In due course, a new ship comes through matching Tosk's ship. They scan the station and attack, knocking out shields and beaming aboard. They engage in a firefight with the security staff before breaking into the brig and find Tosk. When they find Tosk, they call off the fight and explain. They are hunters and Tosk is the prey. Sisko refuses to hand over Tosk and threatens to destroy their ship until they talk about it. Sisko meets with the head hunter and lectures him for disrupting the station at a minimum to say nothing of the barbarism of their practices. However, under the prime directive, he can't deny turning Tosk over unless Tosk asks for asylum. How many times can I say Tosk? Let's find out. But Tosk doesn't want asylum. He wants to die with honor. O'Brien can't understand it and ends up at Quark's grousing Uh, and in doing so figures out how to help him. He escorts the hunters and Tosk off the station and as they pass through the security checkpoint, the hunter is stunned by the field and O'Brien's mighty fists. Uh, He gets Tosk to his ship. Sisko suggests Odo take his time stopping him. Uh, Tosk gets to the ship and thanks thanks O'Brien for his help. Uh, in his own way, I presume that's what "die with honor" means. Uh, Cisco, as O'Brien predicts, does not punish O'Brien, but does get a talking to. In the end, however, uh, he makes it clear to O'Brien that he let the alien go. This episode is a bit of a roller coaster.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a weird one. Yeah,
1: I I love like good dude O'Brien but I could care less about this plot ultimately. But yeah. also there's a lot of funny, weird stuff going on in it. Yeah. yeah. Like I love Welcome the to Deep space nine. I love the, the T the like TOS era junkie hunter costumes.
2: Yeah. The,
0: the, the worst predators. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like the predator, but like no budget and not cool. Yeah. I mean, like these guys look very uncool, which I think definitely helps this episode.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: These are the people. Like these dudes, if they were here today, they are the people using like anti-material rifles on hogs out of helicopters. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: these guys.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Suck. Uh. And yeah, there. The whole look. I, I I don't care enough about the main plot of this episode to invest a lot of. of thought into it uh, except to say that like the whole prime directive we can't fuck with their culture thing is dumb I mostly want to dunk on their shitty costumes uh, and the fact that Quark apparently has a provision in his employment contract with his dabo girls that says he gets to uh, bang them uh, which is a whole kettle of fish
2: yeah like I love the Ferengi I love the Ferengi but also they're like they're canonically disgusting Yes, yeah, they are no, complex it. species. Yeah, I mean they're like
1: we. Yeah, it's been established in previous episodes that they're wildly misogynistic, so it's not exactly surprising. Yeah, um, but I, I think it's a a gross artifact of the '90s that like you could put that in a character. You could you could have a part of your what do you call it your cast of characters your ensemble cast. You could have one of your ensemble cast do something eminently cancelable by 2020s metrics and have it just be like a background joke in the opening of an episode yeah yeah there's i don't know if you guys are aware of uh the orville show seth mcfarland's orville
2: aware of it have not watched it
1: so i'm vaguely aware of it mostly just because i keep getting clips of it on tiktok but i actually have watched a few episodes of it um, but I do like that they have a takedown of Klingon Ferengi culture in the show in the form of a race that is all male that like very aggressively lampoons some of the 90s in like we don't have to put this in the episode Zathras but it, it is does an interesting job of like it starts out being like sort of jokey but it becomes like a really interesting like commentary on but also loving tribute to TNG but the Machlids mm-hmm. the are an all-male race, but then it 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 it, bec- it comes out that they actually like there are females of the race, but they just don't acknowledge them. When a female is born, they like do a surgery to turn them male, and it's this whole thing. And so they ha- it, it, it's a very interesting mm-hmm. commentary on these like fundamentally misogynistic race tropes from uh, early star- like '90s Star Trek. It's interesting. Um, yeah. If you're a big Star Trek fan, I think it's it, might, it would be worth like checking it out if you can stomach the Seth MacFarlane humor because it does have some of that humor in it. But as a, as a TNG fan for like the commentary on TNG, I think it's really interesting.
0: I I do like that Odo get like completely jobs out <laughs> and gets warped. yeah <laughs> as it were. And yeah, episode of like like he doesn't he doesn't get taken down a ton as much as like a wharf used to like. My, Worf was a jobber to the stars. Yeah, um, <laughs> like he'd make any he'd make anybody look good. Um, but like, yeah, and like Odo just like beefs it in this episode, which I thought I find. What funny. would have happened yeah. if he
1: had gone like Liquid Man and like slapped some of these bitches with tendrils?
2: Would they have absolutely yeah. lost their that, shit? What would have happened is that the episode would have gone over a CGI budget.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, fair um, enough. Yeah, because they had to have him dissolve off the wall as a weird, as a CGI goo thing in the yeah. Seven okay, seven can ready. we get can we can we talk about yeah. this? No, if you are visiting, D. Space died. Always be on the on the lookout for paintings, like <laughs> buckets, misplaced chairs, like misplaced art or misplaced furniture. Yeah. But
1: No, why there? Is he just randomly hanging in hallways? Because there's no,
0: because it was near where the weapons were. But
1: how did he know? How did he know? Is he, he just?
0: He has a special. Because he has he... a special fascist, fascist telepathy. And he's, and,
2: and he's sitting there in his panopticon too. Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah,
0: he has like security monitors in his office. God,
1: I really, I respect that the character they've created is good, and that's why but... I don't like Odo. But I really don't like Odo. <laughs> He is, he's very Odo. Although I do like (laughs) when Cisco's like, take your time. And Odo's like, okay. And he does this like super like slow man saunter. It's practically a funny walk from Monty Python as he's like slowly walking across ops. Look how slow I can walk. This is how I (laughs) learned to imitate humanoids. Aren't I good at this? Like it's a very silly walk.
2: Actually, um, realizing now that we're talking about Odo, we never talked about the pail, did we? No,
1: oh, we, we did, did not. not talk about the bucket.
2: Um. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, my so, uh, man, my so man dissolves into goo yeah. and sits in a,
0: in like, just slinks around in a bucket for eight hours.
1: <laughs> what fucking race? <laughs>
0: <gasps> Finish your thought, please. I'm, look, I'm excited to see where it goes.
1: What race, what's the evolutionary logic behind a a race that has to, that has, like, I get it. We sleep. We just lay on the floor eight hours a day. I get that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, hey, it's, sometimes you gotta just go back to your natural, go back to your natural state and be a goo puddle for, you know, a while. I mean, I do know, know.
2: Honestly, like, I, you know, I could go for just, like, being goo for eight hours a day. Like... You know, it doesn't seem like the, it doesn't seem like the worst. It seems very relaxing. I
1: mean, I do know a little bit about like the future plot lines here. Like I said, I'm not ignorant. I'm not totally ignorant of DS9's storylines. So I do know that like there's more to Odo's species, the the whole like changeling thing. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's not as though his species evolved to like live in a, live in a, uh, an, you know, uh, a chamber pot, eight hours a night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: that, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not that, that he. Yeah, that is what that he has. That, that is lying. what he
1: has adapted to do, in lieu yeah. of a uh, uh, a better solution. I
2: would. Yeah, I think it's better. It's it's better put to say that like his species' natural state is the goo puddle, but like. Holding a shape takes, like, energy. Yeah. And so, like, it's less sleeping and more, like, regenerating after he's, like, spent all the energy to, like, interact with people who don't turn into goo. Yeah. In some ways, I feel like it's closer to, like, him needing to recharge after, like, masking all day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah.
2: I, yeah, it's,
0: I mean, I also think that it is isn't entirely in character for Odo who is somebody who is incredibly self-loathing to think I need to be in a garbage bucket for eight hours yeah
1: I right why not a bathtub <laughs> oh, buddy. why not a nice why not get a bed and like because he does yeah a nice why not get like a nice like concave bed and like puddle into the bed he's not water he doesn't soak into things
2: I mean, why? Why not even just like a really nice punch bowl or something? Yeah, why a pail? Why? A, why the most trash
1: canny fucking thing he can find?
2: <laughs> because the answer like,
1: will
0: the answer will end up being because he was raised by fascists. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get that. We, you know, we will see what that looks like down the road. I don't. I don't remember when that episode is where you meet Odo's dad.
2: It might be in season two, actually.
0: I, I'm i like, I'm trying because to remember this. Because it's
2: before, before, like, yeah. the things happen.
1: One of my favorite other things about this episode is uh, Quark's reaction to being called Barkeep by O'Brien <laughs> is so good. He is so viscerally opposed to it. And O'Brien is just like, okay, Barkeep.
0: <laughs> it's good.
1: I like that a lot.
2: It's it's actually a really nice O'Brien episode. It is. Like, you know, he does a like good job communicating with this alien and, like, you know, getting him to, like, you know, getting Tosk to, like, work with him and, you know, fix the ship and, like, you know, yeah. collaboration even with, like, language barriers. Like, you know, O'Brien's got, O'Brien's, like, got skills. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. he he has good everyman
1: energy in this episode. Yeah, like he's definitely touching base with this guy on a fundamental, on like a kind of basic level, and just by being a good person, just by being, yeah, you know, easy.
2: Yeah, it probably feels good to like accomplish something after you know last episode. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like O'Brien is a dude. Who you want to, have, like, who you could have a drink with. And it's
1: great. Yeah. Yeah. O'Brien is definitely, look, I am wildly into Bashir and Garrick, but O'Brien is for sure the character that I feel the most powerful empathy with as, like, a human being.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Also, this episode, this episode, because you, for some reason, Submit Individual Episodes for this kind of award uh, was nominated uh, for an Emmy for uh, Outstanding Makeup. Interesting. Huh. Which which I think is just like... It, it's sort of weird in these sort of shows where it's like you only submit a single episode for it for, for yeah. like these technical
2: awards. The, to- the Tosk cosmetics were very good, though. Yeah. And, all right. right. I mean, the, it's Star-, got,
1: the Star Trek... Yeah. It's got all the various aliens plus Tosk, and I guess... They must have figured yeah. Tosk of all the guest aliens was the most interesting. Yeah. But did B5 uh, submit any? How many episodes of did B5 submit? And did any of them withdraw to make room for <laughs> DS9? That's gonna be my response also, every time we mention DS9 and awards.
0: Um uh, also, Anna, something interesting that I thought of that, that or that I thought of.
1: Yeah. Tosk is
0: genetically engineered. Yeah. And he has a natural camouflage yeah. power ability.
2: Yeah. You think that'll come back? <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. I never put that together.
1: I have no idea what we're talking about. We'll,
2: Let's will, put a pin in this. We'll see. It. Yeah. We'll put a pin in this and we'll, and we'll
0: come back to this in about 15, 16 episodes. We'll see.
2: The makeup It's is, a surprise the, conversation we're going to have later. The makeup is even not dissimilar.
0: Yeah. That's what. I, that's what I was Like that. That's what triggered. I was like,
2: "Hmm, yeah." Huh. Wait, 15, 16 episodes. So that's
1: still. That's like what the top of next season.
0: Um, end of next season.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be a hot minute. How many actually. episodes
1: are in the season? Uh,
0: twenty in this. Twenty in this season. Sixteen in the net, or twenty-six in the next one. I'm talking sixteen recorded episodes. Oh, yeah. not- <laughs> right, right,
2: right, right, right. Yeah.
1: Not. T- not. Yeah, yeah, in the, yeah. Not. Okay, got it. Got it.
2: Also, also, wait—the maintenance corridor walls are how thick? Two meters. They're two meters that's thick. Six feet thick, basically. And that's that's not the hull. That's the maintenance corridors. That's intense. the Cardassians are fucking wild.
0: The Cardassians know how to make a like how to make a nightmare of a, of a space station.
1: Yeah, that seems it, to be it, my impression of Deep Space Nine. Is that it was built primarily as a torture device for O'Brien. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not wrong. All right.
1: Are we w- ready to talk about a oh, weird space? I don't even know how to describe cute. Tell me about him.
0: Yeah. Let's go for this. All right. We've got another thing coming out of the wormhole, and this one uh, has some weird homoerotic tension with Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Alright, this is Season 1, Episode 7, Q-List, story by Hannah-Louise Shearer, played by Robert Hewitt-Wolfe, directed by Paul Lynch. Our episode starts with Bashir trying to impress a woman with tales from his Starfleet medical exam. <laughs> Thankfully, the tale of pre fibers and post nerves is interrupted by a calm for him and O'Brien to come to the returning Ganges runabout. They find the uh, craft has picked up a passenger in the Gamma Quadrant. Vash, rogue rogue archaeologist and uh, Captain Picard's former fling. As they leave the docking bay, we see one of the officers working on the shuttle is Q. God damn it. (laughs) Vash says that a friend dropped her off in the Gamma Quadrant and that she's been stuck there for two years. She didn't know anything about a wormhole. Um vash stores some of her loot from the gamma quadrant in a safe including a weird glowing rock i'm sure that nothing will ever be important about this glowing rock (laughs) when cisco tells vash that the daystrom institute wants to talk to her about what they what she's found vash says that she prefers profit over knowledge she shouldn't be selling everything thank you um the station starts to experience power issues because o'brien must constantly suffer um and q visits vosh in her quarters he grovels for her to come back to him and she just wants to go back to her old life gorg approaches vosh to help with selling off her gamma quadrant artifacts to split the profits Bashir asks vosh out for a date but q makes him a sleepy boy <laughs> O'Brien sees this, though, and rightfully goes right to Cisco to say, hey, Q, you know who he is, right? And I find it very funny that Starfleet has briefings about Q. I think
2: it's great yes. that uh,
1: O'Brien knows it. That, like, the whole Enterprise must have, like, a card that says, if you see Q, ring an alarm.
2: It's like orientation
0: <laughs> see, day. Yeah. If you see this little fop, report it to the bridge. Both yeah. the power drains continue. Cisco visits Vosh and Quirks, and Q shows up. Cisco is having none of his bullshit, and Q tries to, like, box with him, and uh, Cisco decks Q. One of the power drains leads to a temporary atmosphere loss. Well, Q uh, tries to make Vosh return to him by making her old and decrepit. Yeah, uh, Q does warn the crew that Vosh is the real danger, not him. The auction of her artifacts starts while the station's power drain gets to the point the station is being drawn into the wormhole. Um, they're able to track the power drain to Quark's where that glowy rock of Vash's turns out to be the source. They beam off the station and the rock turns into a life form of some sort that travels back through the wormhole. Vash declares that she's going back to Earth and Q tries to convince her to come with him one last time. He it's that without her, he's losing a sense of wonder in how he sees the universe. As Q leaves... She starts talking to Quark about you know maybe some more archaeological digs for profit wouldn't it be too bad. <laughs> man,
2: oh, it's so great to see John Delancey again.
0: Would it surprise you to learn that this was a sweeps
1: week episode? No. I, man, where do you start with a Q episode? <laughs> a. I love that Cisco has such a different response to Q then yeah like picard treats q with like exasperation but also like a weird kind of deference yeah whereas cisco is just like nah man fuck off my station utterly uninterested in entertaining this guy's bullshit
2: yeah
0: yeah absolutely
2: and like and like q tries to like be like oh you're easier to provoke but like really he's not actually
1: yeah, he's just gotten way less patience. Yeah, way less, or not even less patience. He's just less. In- he's just not interested in entertaining Q's shit.
2: Yeah, he d- he he doesn't want to play along with Q. Yeah, and Picard like kind of always does.
1: Yeah, I I do love that O'Brien is the one who's like, oh fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Vash. Uh, I feel like unless we're talking about Doctor Crusher. All of Picard's romantic interests are so dubious to me. <laughs> Although I do love the idea that like one of his romantic interests would basically be Indiana Jones.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Indiana Jones in a space skirt.
2: Because that's that's who he like kind of deep down wants to be, but he's like too stuck up and like,
1: yeah. you
2: yeah. know, duty bound to be that person. Yeah. Yeah, like, Vosh is, like, a
0: character I actually enjoy. I, like, I enjoy Vosh here when she's, like, separated from Picard because she gets to just be, oh, hey, I'm a mercenary. Yeah. Um, Which, overall, I like. Um, I don't particularly like Q in this episode. Interesting. It feels like they are trying to set him up as a recurring character. And, I don't know, Q groveling and trying to get back uh, uh uh his ex is not interesting to me it doesn't feel very cuey. like i would yeah. say that
2: it feels very cuey to me I, well here, I, yeah. here's the thing like Hi, him groveling
0: and like being pathetic is in, is like is very in character i just don't think it's like i think that it's much more interesting when it's like I have something that I'm trying to share with you about the greater universe and you're not understanding it. Come on,
1: Picard, please. I I think my thing with it is that the fun, the fun Q episodes are the ones where fundamentally Q has an agenda. Some, even if it's fucking petty and trivial agenda. And then this one, all he wants is like to get back with his ex. Yeah. And it's not even like, and his motivation is even like more petty than that. It's like, he's just so bored that he needs someone else to not be bored.
2: And see, what's funny is that I feel like that's like some of the characterization that I like the best about Q is that like, you know. If they had explored that, I I think
1: that would have made it a more interesting episode, Mm -hmm. but they don't.
2: But, like, the thing where, like, fundamentally, Q is bored all the time. Um, yeah. And, like, the only way that he can, like, experience joy or whatever is, like, mani- you know, engaging engaging with, you know, mortals in some way. Yeah. And, like, that just often yeah. ends up being him, like, manipulating and toying with them and being a jackass. Yeah.
0: I do like the thing of like, oh hey, when I was when I was able, when I saw things in the galaxy through you, I was able to see them with a sense of wonder I never had before. Like that yeah. is cool, and that, I wish that had been the focus of the episode. Yeah, I agree. yeah,
2: and like, and like that piece of characterization also helps explain like why he hassles the Enterprise so much. Right? Is mm-hmm. like because they're the ones you know, out
1: exploring the weird stuff. Right? Yeah.
2: Um, also, I have to say that when Q is like these mating rituals, you humans indulgent in, are really quite disgusting. I'm like, you won't be saying that during Voyager.
1: <laughs>
0: Gosh, <laughs> I, I think the most the most criminally heterosexual thing ever is the the Vo- is the Voyager stuff with Q.
2: I know, right? Oh, also uh, on that note, I would like to say that uh, apparently from Memory Alpha, there's a hilarious outtake. Um, from the fight scene between Cisco and Q where John Delancey replied to Avery Brooks's order to bring back the deep space nine inhabitants with the alternate line or what, what you'll ravish me. <laughs> That's so oh,
1: good. Why didn't they keep God. that?
2: But it, it gets better. It gets better. Um, so Delancey apparently started to laugh and apologize. And Avery Brooks replied with, I might. <laughs> oh,
1: this show wants Gosh. so bad to be gay and
0: uh. which is so funny because I think like out of out of all the Star Trek captains okay maybe not I think out of all of the Star Trek captains like as he is presented in this in the in the series I feel like Sisko is like the most heterosexual I was just going to say but the he, same thing but he's thing. also like he's he's also like the most comfortable of that. Yeah. Like yeah. the only, the only times where he's like, really like he has like queer vibes is with, is whenever he's talking about Curzon. Right. And, See, um,
2: to me, to me, Cisco has the vibe with like somebody, somebody who's like taking a very hard look at their own sexuality and been like, yeah, no, I am straight. Yeah. Like, and I mean, you know, probably some of those adventures with, we're with Curzon.
0: Yeah. I, every time it's like every time I think of something like hers on, I'm like, there are things that we do not that like even fanfic could never fully
2: explore because like it's basically implied that they've like basically like been to orgies together and stuff like that, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: I mean it's like yeah, it, it's basically it's like Cisco had. Like, you know, had wild times while he was like working with Curzon and uh, then got married, settled down and stopped going to orgies.
2: (laughs) Yes. Can you
1: imagine the alternate universe where his wife is alive and Jadzia shows up? God. (laughs) His wife would have been uncomfortable in a 90s show where they love that kind of storyline. How threatened Jennifer would have been by Jadzia. The 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 guy that your husband did all his debauching with before you were <laughs> married shows up in a hot new new female body. Good lord!
2: I have to say, I think, I think one of the funniest parts of this whole episode too is Bashir just sleeping through the entire you know, like, thing.
0: I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's literally it has the same energy of like. Player didn't show up to RPG session.
2: Yes, <laughs> right. And then just explained away with you slept through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I also love also, that, that the
1: uh, the MacGuffin for the episode is weird space creature. It's such yeah, a it's such yeah. a Trek trope.
2: Love it, love it. Yeah. I um, also love that they don't spend a lot of time on it too. Yeah, like yeah, the just, space the space creature. Like that they don't like. It just like hatches and goes free and like that's the that's the end of it like yeah you know versus like i feel like tng would have like followed it through the wormhole to like scan it or something and it's just like nah, it's fine yeah don't worry about it it's a space yeah. creature they happen all the yeah. time who
1: on the station has not seen three or four weird space creatures at this point
0: we right. will get more so jude how do you like watching a live job <laughs> on
2: television
1: i do not <laughs> I do not. As it happens, um,
2: and you see, and you were like, you were like, is there? I forgot go, about show have an ear fetish. I forgot about the Ferengi ear fetish <laughs> thing. I really did. And you you forgot that, like, you know, in like a solid percentage of the episodes, we're going to have Ferengi's getting hand jobs.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. Uh and I I, so I you don't have like that it. to look forward to. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, we get to we get there's a lot of ooh box in this series. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I,
2: and again, like I cannot emphasize enough how horny this show is, just in general. Yeah, like, I'm into it. Yeah. Um like like, the Dabo Girls and stuff like that, like, Jesus, that was on primetime TV. Yeah. (laughs) The 90s were a wild time. Yeah. Because, like, it's funny, because as much as, like, you know, there's so many shows that are, like, way hornier, like, now and, like, way more sexually explicit. I mean... But, like... uh,
1: There's a lot of shows that that are more sexual, but there's a difference between, like, the rampant, like... Under under the surface, horny of '90s sci-fi, yeah. and the like, out and out like sexual of of like prestige modern prestige television, like
2: yeah Game yeah. Of like, like, Game of isn't, Thrones. Game of Thrones is a great like,
1: example. There's nothing horny about Game of Thrones. Um, nothing. I mean, it's everybody's pretty and
0: everybody's nice to look at, but like people don't, like, I mean. There's there's a fantastic article on this which I, I if you are in our th- uh, it's it's primarily about like modern action films and like the MCU in particular. Um, it is called "Everyone Is Beautiful and No One Is Horny."
2: Yeah,
0: um, which is a fantastic article. That I I'm pretty sure I've referenced on the show before, yeah. but it's like I'm pretty sure know, I've referenced it too. Yeah, it's it's like you know, a, 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 people are like. I mean, part of it is that like. I mean, like, people call Quark a little troll and stuff, but it's also like. I mean, Vosh Vosh gives him a hand job so that she can get a better business deal. Right. And, like, and doesn't, like, say. And, you know, like. And Vosh, like, is very mercenary about things, but she's also like. But she's like. She's never like. No, you're. Like, Q is the one who's calling Quark a disgusting little troll. And Vosh is like, no, he's useful. Or, yeah.
2: Yes, he is, but he's useful. Right. Right. Because that's that's always the thing with Quark. It's like, yes, he fundamentally is a disgusting little troll, but like, you know, he has he has a lot of like value to the series and to the station.
0: Yeah. Also, I love that we have we have it. I, 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 I oh, it's one of those things of like, oh right, this is introduced to like episode seven, the story of Bashir's final
2: exams. Oh my god. And the fact that like you and I both can like recite like preganglionic fiber or postganglionic nerve like this in, like this that, that line, is embedded in my like subconscious. Is this a thing that's it gonna will come just,
1: up over and over again?
2: That this yes. line like literally will like pop into my head for no reason, like <laughs> completely divorced from watching any form of Star Trek. And I will just like pop into my head of like preganglionic fiber.
0: There are like. There is at least two, like there there are like this this is repeated multiple times and it is and it is an anxiety thing about Bashir that this will get repeated and then there will be a retcon about this. It's like it's the most throwaway line, but it ends up becoming like sort of important to the character.
2: Interesting. Yeah. All right.
0: Which I find very interesting, but it's just like yeah, I forget that it's like oh, this is one of those things that showed up really early. Also, also, I, I, it's like this is something that like I noticed in this episode. But going back, like and watching this, it happens a lot. But how like annoyed O'Brien looks at Bashir
2: yes. in this episode
0: when he's like telling the story?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like all throughout this, like it takes a while for O'Brien not to like fucking hate Bashir's guts. Like,
0: like in 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 like past prologue. When Bashir's doing like this whole spy thing, he's like, Oh, what's this about? What's you know, it's like, should I do? And O'Brien's just like ignoring him. Yeah. And yes. I I just find it very funny because it's just like, yeah, it's like
2: It's got the people energy. People are of allowed like,
0: to be like weird and dumb and petty on this show, and I like it. Comp- like, it's a thing that is yeah. sort of kind of unique to the Star Trek, where it's like, people are allowed to think that like. Like Bashir, in particular, is allowed to be just completely awful in this first season, yeah, and people are allowed to hate him because he's that annoying coworker. yeah, it's like if you've ever had
2: like the new coworker who like is like very smart, completely inexperienced, and like just really, really young. Yeah, it's like the coworker co- who comes in and is like, "So when is everybody getting drinks?" And you're like never,
1: never with you, never with you. I think that's about it for this episode.
2: Yeah, yeah. Looks like looks like we judged about right with having yeah. a three four here.
0: Yeah, that, that this one. Yeah, it's like it turned out almost exactly on the dot an hour, which I feel great about. Yep. So, next time, um, we will be having our first guest episode. Woo! Exciting. Uh, friend of the pod and repeat guest velvet dragon will be joining us because we're going to be covering episodes eight and nine of season one dax and the passenger until next time just just keep circling keep circling just keep circling Mm
2: -hmm. just keep circling yeah just keep circling just keep circling (laughs) (laughs)